Now we've been studying spirit, soul, and body. We've talked about the spirit of man, development of the recreated human spirit, the reborn man. And then we talked about the soul of man, his soul being made up of his will and his emotions and his mind. And what the Word of God in its living force and living power will do inside a man's mind that we have the mind of Christ. But then last night we began to study what the Bible has to say about what spiritual power will do in a physical body. And that the physical body can actually in this life function on spiritual power. Now, I pointed out two different things that I want to remind you of, but even before we read this scripture here, because I want it on your mind when we read this again. I pointed out to you that the great feats in the Old Testament that you and I have known most of us ever since our childhood, the great things that Samuel did in his ministry as prophet. And the Bible said that Samuel... God never let a one of his words fall to the ground. And he began to minister the word of God and what his words said had great effect on whole armies. Didn't it? He prophesied, he said certain things and the whole army of Israel would be affected by it. Or Samson. Now, Samson wasn't 14 feet tall, weighed 720 pounds or something like that. Way A lot of people mentally conceive of him. In fact, he wasn't an unusually large man. He was a big man. He was a mighty powerful man. He was a strong man. But he was not strong with the strength that he had physically. They proved that when they cut off his hair. Now, would you tell me, pray tell, what in the world his hair had to do with his muscles? Nothing. He became strong only in his own physical strength. And he didn't just walk around, you know, 24 hours a day with that super abundant human, super abundant, superhuman strength on him 24 hours a day. The Bible said the Spirit of the Lord came on him. And then he attacked a whole expeditionary force of a foreign nation, praise the Lord. How would you like to have been debriefed at that briefing? Maybe you're, the, maybe you're in command of that force. 10,000 you lost in the field. And your boss wants to know why. This government's paid for your armor, your caravans. The, the riches of the whole land were being hauled in your care. And I'd like to know what nation jumped you. And you said, Israel, how many men? One. <laughs> That'd be hard to take home, wouldn't it? In fact, I think I'd just go on over the hill. I don't want to, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to tell anybody that. Would you? Well, he didn't either. But it wasn't just one. It was two. One man and God brothers a majority. Any way you hack it. Now, we talked about these things happening because of spiritual power that would come on the physical body of a man. Now, Jesus did some things like this that were not as physically spectacular as that. Jesus was not operating in a spectacular ministry. 
He did not call attention to himself. He was meeting the needs of the people. But now, if you read the scriptures, you'll find that he did some things like this. He walked better than 30 miles one day. He walked to the city of Nain and right outside the gate of the city of Nain, a funeral procession came out that way, out the gate. And he walked up and stopped that funeral procession by putting his hand on the casket. That took some guts right there, didn't it? You don't just every day you go get a man out of the casket. (laughs) He stopped that funeral procession after walking better than 30 miles and raised that man from the dead. Now that took spiritual power. At Calvary's cross, he had been beat in Herod's court. He had been beaten with fists that night to begin with at the high priest's home. There were certain men there that that beat him. Then he was thrown in the dungeon. He was mistreated and beat in that dungeon after he came back from Herod's and then he legally took 39 stripes from the Roman scourge. Then he was nailed to the cross. They stuck thorns into it, through his flesh into his skull, jammed that down on his head, put that, that cross, dropped it about three feet into a hole after he was nailed to it and hung him there. And then after hanging there a while, the Bible says he cried with a loud voice. Now, there wouldn't have been a little quiet kitten meow left in many men after all he went through. So you see, there are some things in his ministry that denote something more than just physical power. Spiritual power being used on a physical body. Now, I also brought out, you know, from the fifth chapter of Mark where that madman of Gadara did things that were so powerful that men couldn't chain him. He broke chains. They couldn't keep chains on him. Well, that man did that with spiritual power, except it wasn't the power of God. It was the power of the devil. Well, now you know good and well if the devil can produce that kind of physical power and men's bodies can relate it and reflect it, and it still happens today. It still happens today. Don't get the idea that that's that's just something that happened couple of thousand years ago. Do you want to tell me that all the mad men have passed away? You want to tell me the devil passed away? What's the matter with you? You got your head in the dirt? Well, read the paper. You think the devil's not around? I used to play baseball every once in a while. A group of guys, we lived there in Abilene. There was an epileptic hospital there. There were a lot of inmates to that place. Stayed there all the time. Lived there. And they had one of the best baseball teams anybody around. Every once in a while you had to stop while a man had a seizure. But then after he got through, we went right on and played ball. It didn't bother anybody much. And uh, <laughs> there was a guy there that, I don't know, it just seemed like, everybody said this, it just seemed like just something come on him. And he walk up behind your automobile and pick the thing up off the ground, stand there and laugh while you're spinning your wheels. Drop it on the ground, let it go on. He picked up a, a huge, huge, monstrous steel safe out of the 
uh, administration office one day, picked that thing up and carried it out to the front part of the building and threw it through the front wall and all. And it killed him. It tore his chest apart. Well, now how many men do you know more powerful enough physically to stand there and tear the chest apart on their own power? No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. That's not physical strength. That isn't physical strength. You read uh, a piece in the newspaper a few days ago, if it happened to catch your eye. There was a man crawled up in under a truck, praying, trying to get another man out from under there, and there's a bunch of people up in under there with him. And they were up, they pushed this truck up to keep it from falling. And the thing, if I'm not mistaken, it already caught on fire. But at any rate, there was a policeman crawled in there to get the driver out. And the thing started falling and everybody jumped out from under it except this one old boy that's a, a, a seemed like he kind of Pentecostal. <laughs> said he was. And said he didn't remember too much about it other he just remembered praying awful hard. And he got to pray and they all run out from under that truck except him. He just stayed up in under there and held it up. Pushed it back up there and let them get out from under it and then got out from under it himself. By himself. That's in the four star telegram this week or, or last week. Now you know good and well that that man's not physically strong enough to pick up that kind of powerful weight, is he? Not unless there's some spiritual power being exercised on that mortal body. Now let's read Romans chapter 8 verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Or the cross reference says because of his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore brethren we're not debtors. Not to the flesh. We are debtors. Not to the flesh. To live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, he's talked about here, and we talked about last night, the way the Word of God will operate inside the physical body of a man. Not only to keep it in a state of health, but in cases where necessary, superabundant strength is available to men. People have proved this throughout the ages, and a lot of people didn't know what it was, but if you ask the person themselves, most of them can tell you what it was. I remember I had an automobile accident in Marshall, Texas one night. I'd, my, my little boy wasn't but... Oh, he wasn't over that long. He wasn't three foot long. Just had him laying on a pillow. Just a little bitty baby, right? And we had a car that had a shift in the floor here and two bucket seats in front. And we had a pillow stuck between the two front seats and he was laying there on it. My wife's in the right seat and my little daughter in the back seat. And we were coming up to, to Marshall, Texas, 1966, October of that year. And I just topped the hill coming into Marshall there on Highway 59 and just before I come into town, I just started letting her coast because we're coming into a speed zone. And there was a guy sitting between the two highways facing across this way. And he was stopped there at a stop sign. And I saw him well up the road, but he stopped. And just as I got to him, he decided to go. 
Oh boy, I, we both, I tried to miss him to the right. I went off, we wound up, we hit and wound up out in a culvert down in the thing, sitting up on the side of the hill this way. Tore both those automobiles all to pieces. I, you know, a lot of things have flashed through your mind just in seconds. And uh, I remember I turned around there and looked at my wife. I hit, took hold of the door handle and the door wasn't open. And I remember I took my elbow like that and hit that door. And I, I, I remember thinking, you know, later you get thinking over some things and, and you think, well, now I wonder how come in the world me to think that right at that time. But I remember thinking when I hit that, how easy that door come open. I thought that was going to be hard. And I hit that, and it just plopped open. So I grabbed my wife and both kids and set them down out there, and we prayed. And uh, the next day, they put us in the hospital that night, and lots of that's a good story in itself. I just don't have time to tell it. Wish I did, because I kind of enjoy it. But we, uh, <laughs> the next day, God had taken care of us miraculously and several different things. And so the next morning, my, my dad and mother came up from, from Fort Worth here. Got up there and everything was going well and they were just waiting over a period of time to check us again before they let us go out of there. And I said, Dad, let's go out there and look at that car. I want to see. They drug it into town. I said, I want to look at it. He said, okay. So we, went, we drove out there to look at it. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Now this was a 1963 Buick Riviera. The door... On that car, I guess is as heavy a door as had been built up to that time. It was the, one of the first ones that they put the seat and window console all, you know, built inside the door right there next to the driver. And it was built more like a sports car than a sedan, which made the, the front seats sit down low. And the door came up about this high instead of about this high. And where I had hit that door, it was, the door was squashed and caved completely in this way and knocked off the hinges. And I remember thinking, boy, that sure come off very easy. But boy, I was praying some kind of loud, you could hear me halfway to town. Because I thought my boy had been killed. Spiritual power. Had to be. Had to be. Had to be. It worked. Got me out of that car. Now, this kind of power is available by operating in the Word of God. You don't operate this kind of super abundant power like that, except when it's needed. You don't go around doing exploits, busting beer bottle caps and stuff in your fingers. That's the stupid stuff. Is that? We're not doing these things to build a reputation of our own. These things operate to the glory of God. And the body of Christ has these things available to them when they need them, praise God. And I'll tell you, there's some times when you need some super abundant energy of God to do the things that you're called to do, to operate in the area that you're called to operate in. There's not anything any, any more devastating to a man's consciousness. There's not anything any more defeating to him 
to get into a situation that he does not know how to deal in it. He doesn't know what to do with it. And people are desperate in a life and death situation and he's standing there wringing his hands and doesn't know what to do next. But brother, I'll tell you, a man that knows the Word of God and is in fellowship with Jesus of Nazareth, he knows what to do next. If it's not anything except, Lord, you do it. He said, whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Amen. It begins to work. Now, let's go a step further than this. Let's turn over to the to First um, Corinthians chapter 15. Let me back up here just a second and lay a little bit of groundwork for this before we get into it because I don't want to get off out into you to get into some religious thinking right here. The physical body predominantly lives on physical strength. It is created, it's made, so that it will assimilate the food that goes in it. It categorizes it. It assimilates it chemically. Removes the waste. Takes out the nutrition or the fuel and turns it into a power that's called strength. Now, that in order to keep that arm going like that, it's going to be necessary sometime or another to eat again, isn't it? Huh? Because that's where the physical body gets its strength. Now, the intellectual part of a man, the soulish part of a man, uh, eats intellectual food and produces a strength or a power that's been named willpower. And it's a force. It, it, it's a tangible force. The spirit man, the hidden man of the heart, the Bible calls him, you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You can't see me. You can't even see my body. You can only see about 1% of my body. But you sure can't see me. The apostle Paul said, we are clothed about with this body. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Isn't that right? All right. This spirit man is a real man. The spirit world is a real world. And the force in the world of the spirit, the predominant energy force there, is a strength or a force, a power. And the name of it is faith. Faith. The Bible said that God framed the worlds with faith. He did it with faith. The force of faith was released. And the Bible said that those things, everything that we see is made out of something that you couldn't see. In other words, everything in this whole world was originally the faith of God when he said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, that's the force that we're talking about. And walking in the Spirit, this Spirit man, the Bible says in, 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 in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, the third verse said that there has been dealt unto every man among you the measure of faith. That force is inside the believer. 
That's what got you born again in the first place. That's what got you saved when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. It says we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Well, now what was the creative force? He just got through saying it two verses back, Ephesians 2.8. That was 2.10, I just quoted. Ephesians 2.8. And we're saved by His grace through faith. See, through faith. Faith was the force, the creative force that caused that transformation of your heart, what the Bible calls a circumcision of your heart. A miracle happened on the inside of the spirit man when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And the force that did it was the spiritual force labeled faith. That's the name of it. Now, that spiritual force when it's developed will operate in this life on flesh and blood. But now let's go a step further with this thing. Let's find out what happens with it at the time of the resurrection. If we find out what happens to us and we find out what happened to Jesus when He was resurrected, we can get a composite picture of what is going to take place in only a few days from now at the return of the Lord. Amen? Now, how, why do I say that? Well, just simply because, you see, in the third chapter of 1 John, the second verse, it said, Brethren, it does not yet appear. It says, Now we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He returns, we shall be like He is now. We shall be like He is now. Okay, with that in mind, let's read here from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to start reading there about that uh, 42nd verse. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. Now, he's talking about the body here. I'm going to back up a couple of verses. There's something some of you folks need to know. I, some people have asked me, said, do you reckon we're going to know one another in heaven? You will if you know me now. You will if you know me now. I'm not going to look like an eagle or any other kind of bird. I don't have a bird's body. Wouldn't I look funny as a pigeon? That's the reason I, you know, I just can't get too turned on over Hinduism and such hoorahs. Somebody tell me I'm going to come back as a lizard. Wouldn't I look funny as a lizard? <laughs> Listen to what he said about that, you know. Now, this fellow, he had talked about that a little bit rougher than, than I do. He said, back up here, awake in the 34th verse, awake. To righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool. Now, I didn't call you a fool, but the Word calls you one. It says you ought to wake up to the Word of God if you're asking what kind of body am I going to have when I get to heaven. My goodness. Did you folks really realize that you're not going to spend much time in heaven? Huh? God's going to bring heaven here. We'll spend the ages to come on the new heaven and the new earth. God's going to amalgamate the two and bring them together. Did you know that? He's moving the city from the place that's called heaven onto the planet of the new earth. Now, you read the book of Revelation, you find out that that's so. That right in itself excites me somewhat that God would change His residence after these many un, 
qualified eons of time that he would change his residence in order just to live with men. Now, he'd have to love man you to do that. Now, he says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not made alive except it die. And thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but look at grain, wheat or some other grain. God gives it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts. There's another flesh of fish, another flesh of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is the other. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, and one star differs from another star in its glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. See, he what he's saying is, this, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, put the the body of a man in the grave and come up a bird. You're not gonna come up a, a star or something else. You'll be just like grain. You put wheat in the ground; it doesn't come up apples. It comes up wheat, isn't it? Why is that? Because of the original law of Genesis. The law that God put into motion when he started the whole thing. Now, let's come on down here saying read some of this. This is good. Verse 45. So it is written, as it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, who's the last Adam? Jesus. Was made a quickening or a living spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. Now see, Adam represents your physical body now on the natural side. This is just simply an illustration that he's making. But the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected Lord, represents the spiritual. So now, whatever Jesus was resurrected the condition of his resurrection, the condition of his being raised from the dead is exactly the same condition that the believer enters into because Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. He's called right here in this chapter, we'll see it in a minute, as the first fruit. Now we've already passed up. It's the 20th verse, I believe. The 20th. 20th verse. But now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruit of them that slept. He's the first fruit of it. He's the first fruit. See what he's talking about? You plant that seed of wheat and the first one comes up will be many more just like the first one. The, the, one, the seed that went in the ground was the first fruit. Then everything else that came up was just like it. Now, the same thing is true where the believer is concerned. 
See, he was the firstborn from the dead. And the Bible says in the first two chapters of Ephesians that the same power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, he wrought in you when he raised you from your death of sin and trespass, praise God, and made us alive together with Christ and made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, praise God. Then it begins to call us his body. Well, now they know something happened to the hand that's not going to happen to the foot. You never did bury a man and keep his foot. The head doesn't have one authority and the body have another. The head's not named Jesus and we're not. The Bible tells us the whole body of Christ both in the earth and in heaven is named after him. We have his name. Isn't that right? We have it. That's the reason we're called his body. Now follow Carefully in this, now those things are planted in your thing, and you'll see the rest of it. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The dead will be raised to incorruption, and whoever's alive on the earth, the believers that are alive on the earth then, they'll be instantly changed. The ones that have already died come forth first and those that are on the earth follow right in behind them. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Now that 53rd verse right there I won't talk about for a minute. Adam was not created immortal or mortal either one. Mortal means subject by death. Morte is death. Mortal means subject to death. Immortal then would mean not subject any longer to death. Incapable of dying. <laughs> this man, Adam, God created him eternal. He wasn't mortal. He intended for him to live forever. You, 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 you can find it out. Doctors are still baffled at the why does a human body die? Why does it age? Every 7 to 11 years, every cell in the physical body is completely reproduced. Completely and totally reproduced. The thing was made to perpetuate itself from now on as long as it had food and a proper environment to live in. But then when... Adam committed high treason to God. He changed gods. And you have to remember this. Without the spirit life in this body, the body will die. You take the spirit man out of that body and what happens to it? It'll just fall down dead and decay in a matter of hours. You take the life force out of there and it'll die. Well, now, what did Adam actually do in that, in that horrible moment that he 
With his eyes wide open, the Bible said the woman was deceived, but the man was not. He committed high treason to God. He turned his back on the Word of God and through a rebellion, he severed the life force with God. He broke off from that. And when he turned to Satan, Satan became the illegitimate stepfather of mankind and he tied into a perverted life force that you and I know as fear. That fear is a spiritual force and it'll kill you. It'll change the color of your hair. It'll stop your heart. It'll split your mind. It'll break your spirit. It'll break your back and it'll put you in the tension and disease and sickness and every other kind of thing you can think of, won't it? Okay, now this guy's got a problem. Inside the spirit man, there is lodged spiritual death and there's no way to get it out of there. His new God won't allow it. And that physical body now is operating on a counterfeit form of life. And it will not do the job. And death is his lot. He became mortal. Do you follow that? Now he's mortal. Subject to death. He's been severed from the source of life. This thing goes along all these years. And then Jesus. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That we might have life in him. That we receive eternal life in him. Do you follow now what that means? The minute you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that life-giving force that God used when He raised Jesus from the dead was imparted into your spirit man and fed back in there and made again a connection with the life-giving force, God, the living God. Now then, we want this life This mortal body is experiencing an occasional burst of that life power. And there's enough force to keep this body moving, keep it going, keep it well, stop disease in it. There's enough of that life-giving power to heal a man from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. And Jesus has been all this time interceding for us, making it available to us through the Holy Spirit that is functioning here and the face force that is inside your spirit, quickening your mortal body with that spirit power. But now, this is only a drop in the bucket a few measly tiny years compared to the whole spectrum of the whole system. The Bible says that we will spend the, the ages to come with God using the exceeding riches of His grace to show us His love. Ages to come. Do you have some kind of squirrely idea that you're just going to pick a harp or something and float around from one cloud to the other? I got news for you. 
You think you've worked hard now. You wait till you go to work 24 hours a day. You wait till you get to operating planets instead of your backyard. This is what we're destined for. Folks, I'll tell you the truth. We're destined for the stars. The Bible says, Though that lead, those that lead many to righteousness shall shine in the firmament like the stars of heaven forever. Now, how does it work? Well, it says, This corruptible, this mortal will put on immortality. Now let's go back over here to the book of Luke because I'm going to jar your canister right now. <laughs> I told you we were going to slip away from the ordinary and I'm fig- you're either going to slip away with me or you're going to get it slipped to you one or the other because I'm going to knock a hole most of your religion right now. <laughs> I don't know where we read some of this stuff and not, not understand what it said. Well, mainly because we didn't intend to. We read that and said that couldn't mean what that said and then make up something else, you know. Now, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. He's just been down the road to Emmaus there with these other two brothers, and they weren't expecting to see him. And then he let them know who he was, discussed the word with them, and uh, sat down to the dinner table with them. Then they went on to uh, Jerusalem, verse 33, found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, or walking down that road, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them. Now, do you notice he didn't come through the door? And John records this and said, the door being shut, he came in. Well, now John talked like he thought he must have walked through the door. Either way, he got in there without opening that door. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, now everybody in there got scared and thought they had seen a spirit. Well, let's go on and read. I don't want to get ahead of the Lord here. As they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Behold my hands and my feet. You see, his body had not been recreated. It was a resurrected body. But it was not operating in natural physical law. It was operating in spiritual law completely. Physical law didn't hinder it a bit. The shut door, that closed physical door was no barrier to him whatsoever. But yet it was the same body. It had the holes in his hands. He showed him his feet. 
Those Roman spikes weighed something like two pounds apiece. You could see, you can see daylight through Jesus' hands. If he was standing back there in the back of the room and held his hands up like that, you can see daylight through the palms of his hands. Thomas stuck his fingers through there. Now, if it had been a recreated body, it would probably fill those holes up. But don't you remember in another place it says that the marks on the bodies of the prophets are there forever and that heaven honors those marks that were put there because of God. Scars. Scars on men's bodies. And that scar is still there. It's the same body, isn't it? Can you see that? Can you shift your head over spiritually enough to see that it's the same body? Well, just in case you can't, you can understand what Jesus says right here, and then you will. Listen to what he said. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Now, he didn't say flesh and blood. We just got through reading that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But flesh and bone can. Now, I thought I'd just kind of let that sink in on you just a minute. <laughs> flesh. Flesh. Immortal flesh. Now, that never had existed before. Not until the resurrection of Jesus. Never had been existed anything like that before. See, the Bible said God is a spirit. Those that worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. There never was an angel that had a flesh body. Adam was the first one to have that kind of a body. But now, there had been physical bodies. There's been a lot of physical bodies from Adam up to Jesus that we know something about. Might have been others, I don't know. But there never had been one immortal. Never had been flesh that could operate in the presence of spirit. The two were alienated. The two of them didn't operate in the same position together. And when God as a spirit would be around flesh, the flesh would have to succumb and either die or burn in, in the very presence of that much spiritual power. It wouldn't stand it unless by some special dispensation or the miracle power of God that he would cause it to stand. But now here is flesh and bone operating in the spirit world as spirit. Actually, what the thing is, it's a resurrected body that's operating on the level of the spirit that gives a unique creature an existence that never was before. Here is a race of men that are immortal, untouchable by death. That means he's untouchable by sin. Satan or no other outlaw spirit can ever touch him again. He can't get to him. He's not powerful enough. He's operating in a level above that. He's operating on the level with God. Yet he's doing it with a body. He said, handle me. Handle me for a spirit hath not flesh and boom as you see me have. And then what did he do? Sat down and ate supper. Oh, hallelujah. Sat down there and ate that piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And then he met that bunch, you know, out there on the, on the 
lake bank that afternoon had those fish cooked up, cooked up there and called those boys in there. Peter saw him and said, my, it's a Lord. And just jumped out of the boat and swam in there for any the rest of them get in there with the boat and got in there and sat down and ate those fish and he ate with them again. That's a physical body. That body is sit down and eat like any other physical body and then get up and walk through the door. <laughs> what I am painting you is the picture of eternity. And it's more real than anything you ever dreamed up. And this phony $2.50 dime novel idea of heaven where a lot of people are jumping and romping through the flowers, tippy-toeing through the tulips that are really not there and wonder if they know anything, wonder if they know one another. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm going to know my old grandmas just as far as I can see them. I may not recognize them both of them about 35 years old, but I guarantee you I'll know who they are. The Word says we'll know them and we'll know as we're known. Praise God. The reality of what we're involved in, people, is so real and so fine. The place heaven now is a place. It is a place. People live there. People live there. They're living there on, on the same basis that God is. And some of them there already have these resurrected immortal bodies because the Bible said after Jesus was raised from the dead, there were many of the graves opened up and the saints of God come out of there, raised from the dead and went about in Jerusalem preaching the gospel to some of their kin folks. Don't you know that straightened some folks up? Wouldn't that jerk the slack out of you? Uncle Fred come walking in and he didn't open the door neither. <laughs> yeah, after you already buried him and been wearing his Sunday clothes. Come walking in there telling you about what had just happened in the bosom of Abraham and this fellow called Jesus broke the power of the devil in hell itself and led captivity captive and we just want you boys to know it because we're on our way to the kingdom of God. We're on our way to glory and we just want you fellas to realize what's going on around here. <sighs> Woo! Glory to God. I'll tell you that looks good to me. That looks good to me. That sure looks a lot better than that rinky-dink mess somebody been trying to sell about the, you know, the, the pearlies. Wow. There's one other thing about this, and I'm going to close it. The Bible says if you put your hope in this, it'll purify you. It'll make you pure, even as He is pure. It has a purifying effect. It'll work on you right now. I was having trouble with tobacco, as I told you the other night. I got in a service down in Houston, Texas, and there's a man preached on some of these things. And you know what? When I got out of that series of meetings and studying on the return of Jesus, I really had not even given it a conscious thought until I got in my car and started back to Fort Worth. I'd been down there almost two weeks. I got in my car and started back to Fort Worth, and there was a pack of cigarettes stuck up there over the, over the sun visor. And I thought, look at that. Bloody, I hadn't had one of them in two weeks and had the first time I thought about it. And listen, I used to set my alarm clock and smoke them in the dark. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Couldn't do that. Been two weeks there, I hadn't smoked, and I thought, well, I'll just leave those up there. And this goes on like it is now. There's sure no use in crowding it, is there? <laughs> and they stayed up there till they crinkled them, fell up, and that tobacco started falling out of them, falling down in my lap. And I thought, well, I'm going to get rid of that after about a month. It left me. Absolutely no desire for it whatsoever. All these years have come and gone. Never have had any desire for it since. Just, just no problem. Satan got better sense than come try to tempt me than that. That's like trying to tempt me to stick my finger in a rattlesnake's mouth. I just don't want to do that. I don't have any desire to do that. That's no temptation at all. Well, there was a young girl came to uh, Dwight Moody one night and said, uh, you know, Mr. Moody, I, I sure would like to accept the Lord. I sure would love to. But she said, uh, I can't quit dancing. And she said, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I love to dance. And I, evidently she had been in some dancing contests and things like that and was good at it. He said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go back here and pray. And you go ahead and accept the Lord. And let's go back here and pray. And uh, then you can just dance all you want to. She said, sure enough. He said, yeah, we'll go back here and pray. And you honestly accept God and then you can just go ahead and dance all you want to. She said, why, that's fair enough. Went on back then and prayed. She come back to church a couple of days later. She said, you old fox. You knew what had happened, didn't you? He said, what happened? She said, he changed my want to. And you knew it would. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When you begin to realize that you're dealing with the great I am, the personality that is more real than reality. The personality of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is more real. And on the day of His ascension, He did not ascend into a nothingness and become some sort of a floating around nothing idea of a religion. No, praise God, the universe was once again put into the hands of a man. Only this time it was a born, resurrected immortal, untouchable by sin or death. Man, hallelujah. And God called him God. More man than man and as God as God. And he became your life. Planning your life. I'll tell you what, folks. It pays to totally, completely absolutely give him power of attorney over what you're doing and over your affairs. Because you're a carbon copy of him. You look just like him on the inside right now if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, you can accept him and the Holy Spirit will instantly bring you in. And the Bible said you're predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. You can't stop it if you'll accept Him as your Lord and Savior. But that's just the beginning. Why, you can be filled with the same Spirit that He walked the shores of Galilee with. He said, it's my Father that dwelleth within me. He doeth the works. And then head for glory, just as hard as you can go. Cutting a swath a mile wide and a yard deep all the way with spiritual power on this mortal body leading men and women and children 
into a way of abundant life that is beyond the concepts and the, the, even the, the fondest dream of the human mind. And then, step one step beyond. <laughs> Headed for the stars. Hallelujah. Being brought by the grace of God into a race calculated to control this universe forever. The living family of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. And we can see by all the biblical signs, every prophecy, every prophetic utterance of the Bible, everything is in line. The next great event, as far as the body of Christ is concerned, is not the manifestation of the Antichrist. It's not the battle of Armageddon. These things are going to happen, but the greatest thing to come right now for the body of Christ is the great resurrection, praise God. Because the battle of Armageddon is not going to affect me anyway. I don't care if I stand right out in the middle of it. It's not going to affect me. Not my fight. Unless I tag in behind the Lord. Now I come in there behind him as he issues forth the, the word from his mouth. And that's the end of that. That ain't much of a battle if you want to know the truth. Lots of folks involved, but not much of a fight. Amen? That's where we are. That's where we are. And we're in this sweeping move of revival right now. Preparing the body of Christ and drawing men into it for miles and miles from the four corners of the earth. In the nation of Argentina, one out of every 20 men is filled with the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues. In the nation of Chile, every other one, 50% of that nation, baptized in the Holy Ghost, professing Pentecostal experience, speaking with other tongues. The nation of Brazil, one out of, I believe something like one out of 30 30% of that population of, of the nation of Brazil baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. The nation of Africa, way up the line, high in its percentage. The United States, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. There's not one single religious organization in the whole United States that is not in one form or the other discussing those tongue-talking Christians. God has reached by the power of His Spirit inside every kind of organizational structure of men, not only just church structure. What's the matter with you? You know where it's breaking out more than anything else? In business organizations. Businessmen have in prayer. Political organizations have in prayer. There's such a revival in amongst the armed forces right now. Yet, if you want to go get saved, go to army camp. Sometimes it's easier to get saved on army post than it is at church. Why? Because the people are turning on to God. We're receiving letters where whole ships have been turned on to God. One old boy got saved and, and took a bunch of our tapes and uh, started him a prayer group aboard a big old Navy vessel. Power of God broke out on there. Now, you know, the whole, well, I don't know how many of them, but 
They got so many of them coming to their prayer meeting they don't have any place to have it when they're at sea. And that bunch is witnessing all over the world. Another man was wandering around out in the hall in a hotel or I was in, in Palm Springs, California. And I was headed around to my room. And he walked out there in front of me and there was a lady standing there next to him that was a friend of mine. She said, praise God, you're just a man we're looking for. Said He wants to receive the Holy Ghost and said they're fixing to kick him out of the Navy on account of asthma and hay fever. And I said, you won't want out of the Navy? Oh, no. I laid hands on him. He immediately threw up his hands and God baptized him in the Holy Ghost. And he began to speak with other tongues and the Lord healed him right on the spot. Praise the Lord. He's still in the Navy and just uh, preaching up a storm everywhere he goes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying to you? We're right on the brink of that right now. We're operating in spiritual power in these days that has been sort of a, a cloudy, bygone era looked like for hundreds of hundreds of years. But thank God, God's moving. Praise God. And he's doing it in an open, uh, uh, easy to see manner. There's no question about who's doing the job. Amen. I'm excited about it. I am excited about it. Now, the Word says we shall be as He is now. Let's span 60-some years from the day John saw Him in that little back room where they were hidden in there, afraid of the Jews, and He appeared to them. He showed them his hands and his feet and, and he showed Thomas his side. Sixty some years later on the Isle of Patmos John said I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and he saw him. He saw him and said his feet were like bronze and said his eyes were like a flame of fire. And his hair was white like a lamb's wool. Now the color of his hair wasn't white. You know what he was seeing? I asked the Lord about this. I said, was your hair turned white over a period of time? He said, no. He said, that was the radiance that just almost blinded him and made, him, made it look like my hair was totally snow white. But he said it wasn't. It was the, the expression of spiritual power around him. There's so much light coming off of him that it'll light a whole city. You and I cannot conceive of that kind of thing. But you have to remember that this is a flesh and bone body with the force of the power of the world of the Spirit flooding through its veins. Now he said that a grain of mustard seed of that force would blow a mountain into the ocean. What do you suppose a body full of it will do? <laughs> now, 60 some years in the presence of Almighty God has produced this magnificent creature. <laughs> you don't just sit around God and stay the same old way, partner. I guarantee you. Now, what do you suppose that's done to him in 1970 years? I expect he is the lily of the valley, fairest of the fair. Your mind can't grasp it. 
You don't know what beauty is all about. But you know what? The moment he breaks the clouds, the moment he breaks the heavens, calls his own, the Bible says that you will span that 1900 years instantly and you'll start even with him as he is now. <clears throat> now that gives you something to look forward to. Sowie. Praise God makes you want to get up and run around the house. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what it'll do? It'll make an evangelist out of everybody breathing. And you begin to learn what's in store for the believer. Far out? You bet it's far out, brother. It's as far as from here to the stars. It's beyond all we can ask or think. And it's according to the power that is at work within us. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and we'll pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us a glimpse of this. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. Cause the revelation of what is to come and what's in store for us to grow. And as we search your word, show it to us more and more and more and more. The indelible writings that you've marked and tracked this universe with. We receive them in the name of Jesus and we bless you for it. Now then, let's, let's, let's begin to praise God together and let's move over in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless you, Jesus.